Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom, and Casper's Black Friday sale has up to thirty percent off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with eighty-six supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to thirty percent during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com/terms for more details. He's standing above Ben Stiller with a Merkin and peeing on his back. <laughs> that was the, an interesting moment that I'll never forget. I don't necessarily want to do it again. But <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night. I am so excited for this one for a whole bunch of reasons. We have Malin Ackerman here specifically for To the Stars, which is now available to watch on digital. But, oh my, I have so many things that I need to ask you about. Everyone out there knows that the final girls is going to be brought up at least once during the video. (laughs) It's a special one. So on ladies night, we like to start back at the very beginning. And the interesting thing with you is I feel like most of the guests that I've had on the show, they've known that they want to get into acting from a very, very young age, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's not the case for you. So can you tell me, do you remember what, day you kind of woke up and said, no, yeah, I, I need to be an actor instead. 
There definitely, it wasn't ever that day that was the deciding factor. It was, uh, like you said, I, I wanted to become a child psychologist and was studying that at university. Um, and to my father's dismay, when I jumped off of the, the uh, university um, path and decided to do the acting, um, it really was more of a gradual buildup and a burning out of school. I just felt like I needed a break from school um, and thought, you know what, this will be a great opportunity to do something fun, travel, um, you know, some other type of psychology where you, it's very cathartic. It's, you know, self-discovery. Um, and, and it just ended up becoming uh, my career path instead of, instead of the psychology, the child psychology. Um, it was a gradual build um, from one project to the next. And then you, I just didn't give it up. <laughs> I know that you're, you know, not able to achieve the goals of being a psychologist in the same exact way, but still being able to have that kind of impact on youths through film and television. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many different ways come to come at it now. And, and I think for sure there are, what what you don't think of or I didn't think of getting into this business again because it was stumbling into it was that you are all of a sudden given a platform and now more than ever with all of these social media outlets um just that you have a voice and that you can I mean words are really powerful and you you need to be careful and know that there are a lot of eyes on you and absolutely want to be some sort of a role model um, at the same time, trying to be as transparent as and as authentic as you, as I can allow myself to be without giving up too much of my privacy, you know? So it's this weird, um, beautiful mix of uh, you fall into this role and maybe not everyone's equipped to be in a role of, of being a role model. Um, and I, and I, you, you try to do your best at it while also maintaining some sort of credibility as an actor. And it's, it's an interesting place to be for sure. Well, I think about to the stars specifically, and you know, you look at a movie like that and just being a role model through storytelling and so, someone out there could see that movie at just the right time. And it can make all the difference for them. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think that it affected me um, personally when I read the script. Um, I was bullied as a kid. I moved schools many times, bullied at two different schools. One of the schools got so bad. I mean, I would lock myself in bathroom stalls and kick my feet up and bring a book and just sit there every recess and every lunch break so the girls couldn't find me because they wanted to cut my hair off. And it was just so when I read this story it was relatable and beautiful and it affected me and and in hopes that say like you just said that other girls will watch this and see the hope at the end of the tunnel and and see how special friendships are and that it's not just black and white you know again going back to the idea of role models when you first got into the industry you worked pretty quickly with a whole bunch of very experienced actors so did you look at anyone in particular as a role model of sorts yeah it's a good question i think every every single person that i got to work with um was so much more of a veteran than i was in the business so I found it fascinating to listen in on their questions. And that was such a learning experience because 
I had no idea. I went to set and just hoped that people would tell me where to stand, what to do, what to say. You know, I just, I was just happy to be there. And then you watch these experienced actors who are all about the craft and figuring it out and getting the tones and nuances and you see them at work and the questions that they're asking the director and what they're looking for and how they're developing their skills and honing their skills. And so that was a really big learning experience, just watching them work, being immersed in it. This has become one of my favorite questions to ask because I know when you're first starting out in any industry, it can be scary to ask a question about the process that might seem silly So what is something about, I don't know, the way a set works or some very seemingly basic thing about acting that you were once afraid to ask that you kind of wish you did now? Oh, wow. Um, I think it's just anything that had to do with, I never, I was too afraid to ask. I thought you were meant to come in and just know what you were doing and know your character and no questions asked. That was what professional coming to set and being a professional meant. But I was so, it's the complete opposite. It's such a collaboration and people expect you to come in and ask questions. And if you don't, they're kind of like, well, why aren't you asking questions? So I think that whole idea of you come in, you're an actor, you know what you're doing, you do your scene and you get out is so untrue. I mean, it's nothing like that at all. Do you remember being on maybe one of your first big sets? I don't don't know why the skulls is coming to mind, but I know you had like a teeny tiny role in that. And I was obsessed with that movie growing up. So what is it like being new to the industry and stepping on a set like that with, with Paul Walker right there? You know, I was so nervous and I remember they were also sweet Joshua Jackson and, and Paul and, some of the other actors, they were sat at lunch and, you know, I'd gone grabbed my lunch and I, and they said, come, come sit down. And I just, I, I was so nervous. I didn't know what to say. I just felt the nerves coming at me and I, you know, felt like I didn't belong. It was that self-worth that came up and I was like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy to sit at this table with these people, you know? So a lot of stuff comes out. I think it's very psychologically challenging to walk onto your first set, even no matter how nice people are, you're your own worst critic and you just get in your head and you get so crazy. Do you ever get comfortable with that? Or even after all of these films and all of this experience, do you still kind of get, you know, the jitters before you get going again? Absolutely. Cause there's so many moving pieces on a set, you know, it's not just you, uh, there, you're dealing with lots of different personalities, um, situations that, that, arise out of nowhere and there's big high stress levels. And so you just don't know what you're going to get on any given day. And you hope, so in the beginning, you're just first hoping for really great people to be working with. Um, and once that settles, then you can kind of handle anything else. It's, it's harder when you come into a set and you go, Oh, this is going to be a long, long one. <laughs> Without naming names or anything, have you ever been in a situation where you have to collaborate with someone who kind of isn't in sync with you? And how do you how do you make it work? Yes, you do. <laughs> That's when you do acting. <laughs> Instead of reacting and being dancing in the moment, you just have to prepare yourself. You go in, you, you know, especially if it's someone that you're meant to be uh, in a love scene with and you're having trouble with them, you know, outside of work um, or just with who they are. And like you said, like the sinking isn't, is a bit off. You really got to prep yourself and go in with a different mindset. So it's not as much, uh, you can't be as vulnerable in those moments. I guess there's a bit of a protective layer, which is terrible when you're trying to act. 
really can't even imagine. On the flip side, though, who's someone you worked with that maybe you were a little surprised that the second you got on set, you just had that rhythm going? Um, gosh, there's been there's been a few, but you know, I I'll tell you that the one person I was very nervous to work with was Tom Cruise. Um, and he ended up being one of the easiest people to work with. Um, he was so lovely and so professional and just engaged and collaborative and inclusive. I mean, it was just, he made you feel like the best actor in the world when you were with him, you know, even though you're working with one of the best. (laughs) I hear that about him time and time again. I mean, I guess just sticking with Tom Cruise, then what is something he did on the Rock of Ages set that you wish that more, you know, folks higher on the, uh, the call sheet would do when they're the leader in that capacity? I think he's aware of his impact, you know, and I think that's an important thing in general is an awareness of the impact that you make on people, whether that's your position or any other position. But um, he knew that people were nervous when they first met him. So he would spend extra time to disarm them and to make them feel comfortable. And, and then once we got going, he wanted everyone to put their best foot forward. You know, he asked a lot of people, but only in, in, in the way that this is what you're meant to be doing. So I expect that of you now, you know, so there was no sort of slacking off because we wanted to make the best product possible. Um, and I really appreciated that in him. What about for you? What do you take from someone like a Tom Cruise or anybody else that's had that kind of effect on you? And, you know, you just bringing it yourself to another set, is there anything you like to do to make sure the vibe between an ensemble is right from the beginning? Absolutely. I think, I think it's the same thing. I think I've always done that. I hope, I hope, listen, who knows what people are saying behind my back, but especially when you are higher up on the call sheet, it has a trickle down effect. You want to make sure that everyone is comfortable enough and feels like they can be vulnerable with you so that they can do their best work. And cause that's what we're there for is to make the best product. And so, yeah, I feel like just getting, getting to know people and just becoming a little bit more friendly so that we feel like we know each other a little bit better. Cause we're going to start getting intimate with our feelings and, you know, and, and crazy things happen on sets where you're in the weirdest um, scenes that you're doing with someone. So you want to feel comfortable. Yeah. What gave you that nudge you needed to start producing features? Cause I know you were a producer on trophy wife, but you've got, two features that you're, you're serving in, in a producerial capacity on? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a combination of things. I think just getting tired of waiting for things to come along, um, and wanting to expand the creative process and being a part of the decision-making and getting a little bit more control of what's happening. doesn't mean it's going to be better for it. It just means that it's, a more exciting process, you know, mm-hmm. to be a part of all of the, all of the different aspects. And it's learning experience um, to, to actually figure out how movies put together and how difficult it is and what, uh, you know, f- to make a beautifully perfect movie takes so much magic involved. It's like, you just have to pick some great people and hope that everyone melds together and all comes together properly. Um it's, it's, it's really fascinating. So I'm, I, I felt like it was the right time to step into that. I felt ready for it. 
Usually I go in order, but I feel like I'm jumping all over the place here. So for the ones that you're producing now, why in particular those two movies, Friendsgiving and and Chick Fight? Fight. Oh, Chick Fight. Uh, Bella Thorne. That looks just absolutely intense. (laughs) I'm super excited about it. I mean, about both of them. Friendsgiving came about, it's a friend of mine who wrote and directed it. It was in the works for years. It was after my divorce from my husband and having just had a child. And she was breaking up from her first real relationship. She came out like in her late 30s, um, realizing that she was a lesbian. And so she had just broken up with her first relationship. And we were grappling with breakups at the same time. And we handled it very differently. And so she just wrote a movie about it. It all takes place on one day. And made it very light and, you know, obviously took liberties. It's not a real depiction of our lives, but just the, 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 the opposition of how it's, it's really truly how people deal with breakups. And I, I just loved um, the idea of a bunch of friends getting together, friends giving and, you know, the tensions and the, the, the ups and downs. And it's always fun to watch films like that. Um, So, so she did a great job with that. And I just thought this is a perfect opportunity and to get back to, we went to Ben Stiller's production company um, and he ended up being one of the producers on it with us. So that was really fun for it to come full circle. Um, And then chick fight is, I want to say like bridesmaids meets fight club. And it's just this great way for, you know, it's kind of exploring in a fun way just how women have, it's not, it's not womanly, womanly to be rageful and to get that out. You know, you just, but men can rage and they can fight and they, but when women do that, it's, it's taken very differently. So it's just kind of exploring that and what, what would it look like if we had an all girls fight club and why would that come about and what would it give us? So I was looking at those images. So are are we talking like, are we talking like a dark comedy here? Because there, there looked like there was a good amount of blood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I think it's more comedy, but yeah, dark comedy just because there's some violence in there. <laughs> there's definitely some like the the fight scenes are real. Like we had some amazing stunt um, stunt coordinators and stunt girls, and I, I mean, so that's some the real deal. But it but it's mainly based in a comedic um, tone. I'm so excited. And I'm glad you brought up Ben Stiller, too, because that brings me back to earlier in your career, because you're talking to a very big Heartbreak Kid fan. And I don't think I don't think you get nearly enough credit for that movie overall, but also for your performance. But I had Michelle on the show back in January. I initially had gone in to read for her role and and then I the audition went really well. And then I think they called me up and they were like, there's an actress that came in for it. They really like her for the role. Would you be open to doing the other role? And I like the role of Miranda a lot. So that's the story behind that. It was, you know, it's funny how things work out. And then um, from the moment that we that we met, we clicked, and we've just been fast friends ever since. Of course, in the Michelle Monaghan nature, just said, you know, I couldn't imagine anyone else for it. You're you're way better than me for this. And, you know, she was so complimentary, but that's sort of where it left off. And uh, we never did discuss any sort of choices that she would have made, or you know, it was so early on in in my career anyway. So I didn't even know to, what to ask. But we had the best time making that, and I think that's what really solidified our friendship. We just had the most amazing time.
When did you realize that you had a knack for comedy? Oh, uh, when I did the heartbreak it. <laughs> no, I got the part. <laughs> before before you signed on for that movie, did you have any kind of, you know, like long-term picture of what your career might look like? Did you ever envision yourself like fitting into a specific genre or a specific, I guess, type of character? Not at all. I mean, I barely knew, you know, my next day plan. It was just, I was a young 20 something year old who had had a plan, a realistic plan of becoming psychologist. And now here I was in this world that I knew nothing about. So I just kind of rolled with the punches um, for lack of a better term, but it was really just, I had no intentions going in. It was, I was truly a follower and just went, I'll take whatever comes my way because I don't know where to look or what to do or who I am even in, in this world. So let's see what it makes me. You just needed to wear some sunscreen. I was trying to get a tan. No, you were trying to get savage. Whose side are you on, Eddie? What? What sides are there? Mine are the ozones. Choose one. I'm on your side. All right, just calm down. Now look, I'm going to put a little of this aloe on your back, okay? It should make you feel better. Halfway through, I went, ah, all right, now I know what I've been doing. Now I know where I want to go, what I want to do with it. Was there any particular project that made you have that shift and, and put everything into focus a little? I don't know if there was a particular product project. I think it was just uh, a matter of time. But I will say that Watchmen was a big shift because that was, uh, I felt way out of my league on that one. Um, I really struggled because it was such a big film and I really felt like I had no idea what I was doing. I had no training and I was working with these fabulous theater actors who had all the training in the world. Um, I definitely didn't feel worthy of being there. I felt like I had tricked them into casting me. You know, there was a lot of stuff going that I was going through. So it was definitely a shift. And I just said, all right, I, I can't just follow now anymore. I have to start making decisions of what it is that I want to learn, where it is, what direction I want to go in. What do I, what do I like creatively? What do I find fun? What do I, you know, I want to put my best foot forward. I don't want to feel like I'm in that position where I feel like I'm the weakest link in a production, you know? So yeah, that probably was a little bit of a turning point. Were you feeling that way throughout the entirety of making Watchmen or was there a point during the production where you kind of started to gain some confidence and feel like you were worthy to be among that group? It was an ebb and flow from day to day. Some days I felt better than others, but um, yeah, for the most part, I just, because everyone I was working with was just so darn good that I, I, I really, I, I guess I noticed the difference of, I realized that I didn't know how to prepare for a role and they did. And that was really getting to me and not, and not, it wasn't like, it was more just, I was disappointed in myself that I hadn't taken more time before going into this, but I realized the reason I didn't was because I didn't know the direction I was going in. I wasn't leading my own way. You know what I mean? So Nowadays, I'll take roles and I'll make sure that it's something that I can develop and work with and that I find interesting and, and that I come in prepared. How do you make sure you look back on it in a positive way in order to get past that and then build on a stronger path for yourself? 
It's a good question. I think that um, it's important to remember that this this type of work is creative and creativity is a constant growth. There is no end. And that was just part of the journey. And it had to happen in order. It was, it's a catalyst. Everything becomes sort of a catalyst for something else. So, um, you know, I look back on it now. I loved the experience as far as the people I got to work with and, and to have been a part of that beautiful production. And I'm thankful that it woke me up a little bit to, you know, the importance of preparation and, um, and just so that I can grow from that experience, I think any growth, then it's, it's been worth it. But, and also I, I, I've, I say this to my friends sometimes, it's just so interesting because a lot of people at their jobs, they sit behind, you you can't see them, you know, they're not in front of a camera. We're doing our jobs. We're still figuring out our jobs and then it's printed and people are watching it and it's never a finished product, you know? So it's always a work in process. And we watch actors from the beginning of their careers towards the end of their careers. And you go, wow, they're, they've grown so much. So for me to watch other people as well, I've gone, yeah, it's a, it's a process and that's okay. I've got to accept that, you know, some, some projects are going to go better than others. And as long as you walk away from it with some sort of growth and some sort of learning, then it was worth it. You know, having had that experience on Watchmen, if another, let's say, you know, like a big brand superhero, big budget type thing comes your way, has that experience at all? And I like, I don't even mean it in, in like a negative way towards Watchmen, but just as far as your taste and roles go, does yeah. that change whether or not you would want to do something like that again? I would absolutely do something like that again. I'm ready for it this time. <laughs> I would love to do it, actually. It would feel like I get a second chance at it. Do you know what I, I mean? Like no, I like the sound of that. In that case, yeah. I mean, do you have kind of the dream role or or the I don't, the film franchise you'd want to jump into? I, I don't. I You know, I'm not, I don't follow comic books as much as, as other people do. You know, there's some real um, fans out there. So... That would have to be, it, it's not something that I'm pursuing. There are other things that I would probably pursue before that. Like I'd love to do some period pieces or a Western or something like that. Mm. Um, but, but of course, if someone came and said, there's this character, like an obscure sort of, you know, char- um, comic book character that we don't hear of that much, it would be so fun to bring that to light. So yeah, I'm open to it. I love, I love the sound of that. I believe you could pull it off too. Um, it's just coming to my mind because we were just talking to her yesterday. Have you seen the movie Tigers Are Not Afraid? No. It's, it's available on Shutter. It is a phenomenal genre film, but that director, Issa Lopez, is working with Guillermo del Toro on a werewolf western. And I think she is one of the best of the best out there. So really? I don't know. Find a way to connect the dots there. Oh my God, I will. Definitely. I don't know nothing about the characters in this movie. Is it work with her? Yes, uh, I will definitely look into that. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> I'm always trying to do stuff like that. I'm trying to make the thi- the the uh, packages that I want to see come together. Come together. So to the stars now. I'm curious when you sign on for a movie like that, how does the amount of screen time that you get impact whether or not you want to sign on? And then do you find that it's more or less pressure taking a role that maybe has less screen time and ensuring that the character makes an impact? 
So uh, to answer the first part of your question, it's funny because there was one more scene that was supposed to be shot, which actually was the whole reason for me taking the movie. Uh, Not the whole reason, but for that, I was like, I love this scene for this character. Um, And it's towards the end when the daughter has gone missing for a bit. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but, uh, and unfortunately scheduling, I was already on another project and they had to move the timing of it. And then I couldn't go back and do it. So they had to cut Mm -hmm. that scene completely. But having said that, I'm, I'm not disappointed. You know, I, there was some, even the little scenes that I did in there, they were, they were beautiful and nuanced and, and there's so much beneath the surface of these characters, you know, these secrets that they have that we don't really know about, but hopefully can read in, you know, in the scenes that we're doing together. Um, I just love when there are these layers to peel back in characters and in stories. And I loved the script. And so, no, it's not, it isn't necessarily about screen time at all. It's about coming in and, and going, can I do something with this character? Mm -hmm. Is Is it, will it be fun to be part of this project? Is it something that I want to stand behind that I really love? Is there something that, is there a story? Is there a message? There can be so many different reasons. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, this one spoke to me just because of the bullying and the coming of age and how hard it is mm-hmm. you know, going through your teen years and sexuality. And um, so I just thought, you know, what a be- and it, and it was a period piece set in the sixties, which was really appealing as well. Um but yeah, as far as your second part of the question, I think sometimes it is harder to do one line than it is a monologue um, because you have to, depending on what, what it's about, you know, what information are you putting out there? What, what can you give with one line? Sometimes with silence, you can give so much more than, and then a whole speech. So every, every little detail is impactful for sure. In general, what do you find more challenging? Those scenes where you are largely giving reaction shots or emoting without dialogue, or maybe something where you're challenged with a gigantic speech? It can be either. <laughs> it can be all of the above. You know, I think I think the most challenging ones for me are um, uh, are giving the speeches because especially if it's um, a memory or a thought or I feel like that you, you can fall into the trap of becoming really stagnant and acting a lot instead of falling into the, a memory. Um, Cause I think you can really tell the difference when you watch a mm-hmm. film of someone who's really going through something and of someone who's just going through the lines. So yeah. yeah, I can definitely see that. Now my mind is going, we, we play on Collider, would you rather all the time, all filmmaking <laughs> questions. But now I kind of want to just throw a couple others at you. Here's sure. the really one. W- would you rather have to eat a lot in a scene or run a lot in a scene? Oh, both. Are, it's a terrible choice. I hate running, by the way. <laughs> so that's like the last thing I want to do. But I have done that thing where you have to eat. And it is... I think I'll, I'll go with running. It's terrible. You feel so sick for days. I can imagine. Would you rather have to fake vomit or fake sneeze? Fake sneeze. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, fake vomit. No, that's no. Fake vomit like feels like the worst to me. I'm afraid of, of vomiting, so I'm afraid I would I do for real. But yeah. the fake sneeze thing, you don't realize how difficult it is to do a convincing fake sneeze. So then I get caught up in that. 
That's true. That's true too. I mean, just the vomiting. I'm with you. Like I, it's just nothing that it's, it grosses me out and I'd be nervous that I'd actually vomit all over someone for real. Is there any example of something you've shot for a show or a film where you're kind of like standing there and doing something absolutely crazy and you can't believe you're doing it in that moment? Like, is there, is there anything that you're like, that you're thinking now, if I ever had to do that now, I would probably never do it again. Oh, never do it again. I don't know about that because I'm always up for it. But um, definitely standing above Ben Stiller with a Merkin and peeing on his back. <laughs> that was the, an interesting moment that I'll never forget. I don't necessarily want to do it again, but I would for the comedy <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to to the stars, I just I love the ensemble you get to work with here. And I, I think Liana's like one of the best up and comers we have. I just remember interviewing her years and years ago to see how far she she's come is something else. So yeah. I don't know, what is it about working with her that makes you say that's one to watch right there? Some people just have it. They just are connected and um tuned in. She's one of those girls who's, she's an emotionally intelligent girl who is wise beyond her years and she gets it. You know, she does the work, she comes in, she taps in to whatever she taps into and it's real and it's vulnerable and it's beautiful. Um, I agree with you. I think she's one to watch because she really has something special. You feel it when you're watching this movie. Yeah. I also have to ask you about working with Tony Hale too, because I don't think I was ready for that. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just so conditioned to expect everything he's in to have a comedic touch to it, that seeing him in a role like this, I was taken aback. A lot of people have had that same initial reaction. And it's funny because Tony and I, we did a film together called Happy Thank You More Please years yeah. ago. And we played love interests in that. Um, funny that we keep getting put together in that, in that fashion. But he, um, I love, I'm actually a huge fan of bringing people in who you're not used to seeing in those types of roles um, and them nailing it. And I think, you know, it just goes to show Tony is an exceptional actor in general and the element of surprise where you go, wait a second, Tony Hill, who is one of the funniest men alive can go that deep and affect us that much with his performance. That is not just a good actor that you're watching, but now you're going, it's that actor who mm -hmm. made me laugh so hard and is now making me cry. And I love that. Is there any type of opportunity like that, that you've never been given that you'd really like to do? I don't want to like specify it like a dream project or a dream genre to work in, but is there anything kind of on the bucket list in that sense? You know, I think mine is more, um, there's directors that I want to work with and that that's more my bucket list than, than even genre. I, and I guess they have, a, I mean, my, my top is the Coen brothers. And so if I can do anything with the Coen brothers, they sort of have their own tone and genre anyway. So, um, I'd love something like a no country for old men. Ooh. I love when films breathe, when they just like, it takes its time and you get to be with the characters. I'd love something like that. I would love to see you in something like that. And I told you I was not letting this conversation end without some final girls questions because I'm borderline obsessed with that movie. I still watch it over and over again. I think it's just so insanely clever. You're right about one thing, you know. What? 
I'm a movie star. <laughs> I want more. Yes, me too. <laughs> Have you guys ever spoken about a potential sequel, given how that movie ends and how much people just love it? Well, we, yeah, it was definitely spoken about at the time, you know, and and it was left open-ended. So it's not to say that it couldn't come back. I think it always depends. Unfortunately, you know, this business isn't dependent on how great it turns out. It depends on, it's dependent on how much money you make, (laughs) how much money, you know, the other end makes back. So Mm -hmm. Um, and that always becomes a thing when it, when it comes to a sequel. So I'm just not sure about, you know, what that looks like or what happened, but I'm with you. I think it was brilliant. I think it's such a, a well-made film and what a, a cool way to come at it and just unique and unusual and some really funny characters. And then you have some really grounded characters, such a crazy combination. It is so well shot too. That movie yeah. is so stunning from the camera moves to the color palette. I can't get enough of it. You know, also it was, it was you and Todd and it was at the Apple store in Soho in New York. And I think that might've been one of my very first like moderating gigs in front of people. And I was in such a sweat. <laughs> Oh my God, that's right. It's all coming back to me. That's so crazy. I'm curious if you remember this detail because I must have practiced like an intro in front of the mirror like 500 times. And I think as a joke, one of the last things someone said to me before I walked out on that stage was, you'll be fine. Just don't mess up Todd's last name. Oh, no. That's a hard last name. Why would someone say that to you? (laughs) Still to this day, I don't say like I still reverse everything every time I mention him. Oh my god, I love it. yeah, but it's we do too, and we've worked with him, so there you go. It's okay. <laughs> Make me feel better about that. Yes, I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, so we like to end ladies' night with a couple of rapid fire questions, just some right. random things. First, usually it's just whatever comes to the top of my head. Do you collect anything? Yes, I collect djembe's drums. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. I love them then. I attempt to play a little bit. I know a few beats. I, I'm, I, I want to retire in Africa. I love Africa. And so every time I go to Africa, I, I acquire one or two djembe's. And oh, that's so nice. Bring it back home. Do you have any pets? Yes, we have a dog. Her name is Buffy. She's a rescue. And she's in my adult. You're in very good company now then. What is the last TV show you binge watched? Um, when they see us, I mean, it's a mini series, but yes, uh, I'm still, we just finished it last night. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Incredibly well. Not a, not a TV series. I guess we did, we, uh, we did Tiger King and we did Broadchurch. Ooh. Broadchurch is great too. <laughs> Do I dare ask you what you thought about Tiger King? <laughs> it was, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that that exists. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. Yep. It was nuts. I think that's the the bigger takeaway. Yeah. One of the hot topics is, do you think Carol did it? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think we're all in the same. Without a doubt. It's the perfect perfect murder scene. She's got a bunch of tigers roaming around to eat meat. I mean, come on. For real? Um, A more serious one for you. What is your biggest fear overcome? What is my biggest fear 
that I've overcome? Yes. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I've overcome it. I'm in the process of overcoming it is becoming a parent. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's, you know, th- I guess the fear of messing up your child and that could still be possible. He's good so far, but he's only seven. <laughs> I can't quite relate to that, but my sister just had a baby. So I'm watching her and learning through her and she's yeah. doing a wonderful job. And I bet you're doing the same. I try my best. <laughs> and uh, finally, because this is Collider Ladies Night, we like to sp- put the spotlight on some wonderful women changing Hollywood for the better. Who is one female filmmaker out there that you want to put the spotlight on right now? Ava DuVernay, who did When They See Us. She is a powerhouse. Uh, that, it again, the way it was directed, it was beautiful. She's incredible. I really like her. And I had the pleasure of meeting her at Sundance this year. And she is a lovely human being, smart, wonderful woman who deserves all the credit coming her way. That is an A-plus pick right there. Thank you so much for your time today. It is so greatly appreciated. Uh, To everybody out there, To the Stars is available to watch right now on digital. Do check it out, not to be missed. Mullen, thank you again for your time and big congratulations on the new movie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.